Neither Marcus nor Tabby are a professional broadcaster. This will soon become evident. to the podcast yesterday had to cancel its scheduled record because one of the presenters was almost too hungover to function my name is possibly marcus Bayburn, and i am the not hungover tabby and we are the, the detective, detective inspectors Ray. <laughs> there you go there you go i wasn't I wasn't actually going to say which one of us was uh, <laughs> too hungover to almost function, but uh, you've pretty much given the game away, so uh, let's crack on. Well, um, you could have said the Skype was bad. Um, that's the excuse I would have gone for, but uh, yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, it doesn't matter. You've uh, you've blown it now, so yep. just so long Sorry. as you know, if, uh, if you're ever too hungover to function, then uh, you will be getting called out. <laughs> I like to keep it tight. I like to keep it professional. You've waived um, your anonymity rights. <laughs> so, what do we do on this uh, on this podcast? This is a podcast where we watch a detective program up to halfway. Or we talk about it for a bit. We try and predict what might happen in the second half, which we then watch, and then we talk some more. Sounds good to me. So, why don't you tell us what we're watching this whole week? Okay, well, this series ran from 1958 to 1961 with a huge 114 episodes. So they just, I mean, I wouldn't like to say that they churned them out, but they churned them out. It's phenomenal. Um, phenomenal numbers. Episode, yeah. The, <laughs> the episode we watched uh, this evening aired on the 10th of November 1958 um, mm-hmm. and goes by the um, not in. Uh, the title that hasn't aged well uh, of Rough Bucks um, <laughs> which, Rough Buck uh, Rough Buck, uh, rough buck um, yeah. which uh, either is a very progressive um, like uh, gay porn or um, it is an episode of Peter Gunn Peter Gunn which I feel should have like a Peter Gunn private eye Peter Gunn like um, you know criminal Basher or whatever, I, you know. I'm not. I'm. It needs something else. Do you, do needs, you not think? Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. He needs a suffix. Yeah, absolutely. And what Tabby is the most? What is the most famous thing about this program? Which well, I knew. I knew. Once I heard it, I knew. But I didn't really. Uh, I didn't really put two and two together when you mentioned it before. So I think we're we're heading into another sort of like Bergerac situation here, where um, the best thing about the program is the music, um, because um, the soundtrack was made by, uh, written by uh, Henry Mancini, who you know, well famous Tony. Um, Do you win a Tony? No, he won like Emmys, Grammys, like you know, incredibly illustrious film career and like yeah. in, in, in composing um and it's amazing um but everyone sure knows it everyone knows the music but i didn't know and, and actually when i thought about it i knew the music but i didn't know it was from this program 
But I'm guessing it was written for this, was it? Yeah, it was written for this. Um, uh, we should also point out that it was um, uh, this program was uh, produced and sort of created by uh, Blake Edwards, who uh, went on to do the uh, Pink Panther films and um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, okay. So you and like it worked with Henry Mancini, so sort of like the famous um, Pink Panther theme that was that was Henry Mancini, and um, right. Yeah, he uh, all round, all round God with a vibraphone. So um, yeah. But this music, this music is very famous. It's the. Uh, that one. That's the one. Um, was it used in the Blues Brothers? Um, yeah, I think it may feature. It's definitely in something like that from that era. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so. It's it's, it's used. It. You you immediately know it. It's it's probably his sort of like second most famous piece of music. Um, yeah. Other than the Pink Panther theme. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair dues. Fair dues. So um, so as you mentioned, here's a Private Eye, Peter Gunn, played by uh, Craig Stevens. Yep. Who, I mean, this is the fifties turning into the sixties, and I just remarked during the watch that he looks like he looks like Cary Grant. Jimmy Stewart, he basically looks like every dark-haired male lead from uh, that period of time. Uh, he is playing the role of generic man, um, <laughs> basically. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's all you can really say about him. He, um, yeah, you'd be just like, yep, that's a, that's a man. <laughs> he's, yeah, it's, it's weird you say that, isn't it? Because he's, I mean, he's, we'll, we'll get onto it, but he's quite good at what he does. I think, and we'll get we'll get to that as the thing goes on. But that he has not got, he hasn't got a quirk, has he? He hasn't got a character. There's no. no He hasn't got a character. He hasn't got a character. I was going to say he hasn't got a character flaw, but to have a character flaw, you need to have a character in the first place. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, he he just kind of wanders through the uh, wanders through the scenes, um, just. Being a man, really, um, doesn't. He's very, he's very committed to what he does. Do you know what I mean? He's he's. I don't know. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Should yeah. we go? I think we get on to. So I'll do a quick rundown. So there's four main characters. There's Peter Gunn, played by Craig Stevens. Yeah. Edie Hart, his girlfriend, played by Lola Albright. Mother, who owns a bar that he kind of hangs around in, and that Edie sings in, played by Hope Emerson. And Lieutenant Jacoby, who's played by Herschel Bernardi. I mean, never really heard of those people. Lola Albright rings no. a bell, but I don't know where from. I looked her no, up on IMDb, but I couldn't find anything that I particularly knew her from. Felony homicide. Okay, so uh, I hope you enjoyed that music. Now we are. Let's get on with the plot, shall we? Yes. So uh, why don't you uh, tell us exactly what happens in this? Uh, what I will say is, uh, it's blissfully short, uh, to, um, about twenty-five minutes. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get get as deep into that as we possibly can. Yeah, if we can't get through this podcast in an hour, under an hour, I'll be very disappointed in both of us. Because <laughs> the program, as you say, is twenty-six minutes long. Yeah, um, we'll probably spend longer working on this than they spent on actually working on the program. That's <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a fair point. So the program starts. It's called as the aforementioned uh, title is Rough Buck. 
which you want to be careful pronouncing after a few shandies. Yeah. And uh, Tony Triano, a basically very likable and successful all-round good egg boxer who no one, as the programme goes on, has got a bad word to say about, is shot dead in the opening scene of the film, getting into his... in, in the opening scene of the programme, getting into his car. Uh, his family hire gun to investigate, which, I mean, presumably the police are investigating as well, but in all these things, the police are kind of present, aren't they? But Gunn is... seems to be doing most of the legwork. Yeah, he's all over it. Like a, like a rash. He is. He's all over it like a cheap suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so basically everyone's very upset. Gino, his friend, is... The family are Italian-American. They own an Italian restaurant, obviously. Uh, Gino, his friend, is very upset. Everyone's very upset. Uh, Gunn starts investigating, goes to visit the police. The police say that it was a pro-job because there was some sort of special... Uh, bullets that were used which kind of make sure you definitely kill someone if you shoot them from a, a distance I think they've got like is it deer shot uh, yeah deer shot which... deer shot so I think they I think they blister up and like but it's not it doesn't really seem that professional to me because um, you could just buy them in a shop presumably <laughs> for hunters yeah well they are but I think I think what they mean is it's like a, it's a get the job done it's a get the job done uh, ammunition I, uh, is my understanding of it. Fair, fair enough. When when your average shotgun just can't do the job. <laughs> yeah, from, from ten yards. I mean, yeah. any any hood worth his salt shooting someone from ten yards who needs special ammo to just make sure. Um, yeah, they're they're not earning uh, top dollars for uh, for their hitman uh, jobs. Although to be fair, they do a very efficient. They pull a very efficient number. They're in. They're out. You know, there's no there's no fucking around with these boys. <laughs> they drive up in a car. Um, one of them stands up in this convertible car in the middle of the street. Um, <coughs> just blasts a, blasts a shot into the uh, into the window of his car, and then they drive off. I'm not sure how professional that is. You don't need to, you don't you don't need to go to hitman school for that. <laughs> You make a good point. You make a good point. He's not even wearing a hat, let alone no. balaclava, or covering his face in any way. No. Um, so anyway, G, uh, so Gunn goes to the police. Turns out it was pros, the policeman reckons. Basically, I think, is it the dad in the Italian restaurant that's hired Gunn? I think uh, it's the I, dad or the brother, isn't it? I think it's the dad, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the dad, yeah. Um, so he, he says that a good place for Gunn to start is with Gino, who is basically Tony Triano's best mate and uh, fellow boxer. Uh, so Gino goes to the bar, Gunn turns up. Gino ends up outside getting uh, quite a heavy shoeing from two, um, two hoods. Uh, yep, um, but bearing in mind that this guy is meant to be a boxer, um, he gets the crap beaten out of him. He really does. <laughs> he really gets whooped. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't. He's. He. I mean, they make a point of saying that he's a, he's a kind of crap boxer, but um, still. but still, you should you you should be able to take a pasting like that. That is. Um, you should be able. To, you should be able to give out a pasting. Really, these two guys are like in their 50s or something and this guy's about 25 so but I mean he is very drunk 
which no, that's true. doesn't help his coordination. I've got a theory about this anyway that we'll get onto later. So he, Gino takes a kicking. He ends up back at Gunn's house in bed for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're calling back to the title again. <laughs> Deary dear. Um, then the police, the policeman turns up again. It turns out that Tony was in Gino's car when he got shot, which throws a little bit of mystery on the situation. Um, the copper then goes, Gino gets up and he's bitter about the whole thing because Tony was a great boxer who earned loads of money, enough to buy Italian restaurants for his family. Yep. Uh, and he was he was basically bankrolling Gino and forced the manager, we find out in a minute, to keep Gino on as a boxer, even though, as you say, he wasn't a very good one by the sound he, of it. He's good. And he's... Um, <laughs> He's built worse than I am. Um, <laughs> this is not. <laughs> this is not someone who <laughs> would ever really be good in a fight, which explains why he gets beaten up. But yeah, he but could also... be a well. He could be a lightweight or a welterweight or something. But yeah, he doesn't look. I mean, they make him out to be a bad boxer. He gets a good pasting, and he doesn't look particularly tough. So the evidence is stacking up. Yeah. <laughs> It was either good casting or lazy writing. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think one begets the other. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he's pretty bitter. Uh, he reckons that Tony was only in his car because uh, Tony's car had broken down and he likes to drive around before a fight. Um, so Gunn goes off to visit the manager and he basically is quite aggressive and not very pleased to see Gunn. And he says that Gino is just basically a hanger-on and he's upset Tony's dead and he refutes any kind of allegation against him because Tony was a very profitable boxer for him. Yeah. And then we cut. And that is, that is 15 that minutes of Peter Gunn. For me, there are two... For me, there are two possible options, or maybe three. In, so you've got Gino, yep. the friend. He, yep. I, uh, he is suspect number one, I think. Yeah, I think he was probably going to be my... Uh... Uh, going to be my choice as well because you know Tony and Dino the happiness boys um, as they descri- as he describes their friendship yeah. <laughs> which is which is kind of weird I mean do, he's, do, extra- you- he's extraordinarily bitter for <laughs> about someone who is supposedly and, and is described by everyone else about being his best friend Gino definitely seems to have, have had a bee in his bonnet about this guy yeah you would think when he does his uh, Shakespearean speech at the end there in well, Gunn's apartment, where he looks like he's all... I mean, this guy, Gino, is chewing the scenery throughout and looks right, like yeah. he's auditioning for a Shakespeare play in that bit. He's basically... Right, he's he's doing the, um, uh, Marlon Brando. Like, he basically saw her on the waterfront with uh, Marlon Brando uh, and, and he was doing the um, I could have been a contender um, yeah, yeah. speech. Uh, that that was that note. That, like, he was just like, "Yeah, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna nail it. I'm gonna be the next Brando." Yeah, um, this is my big shot. This episode, yeah. episode seven, season one, Peter Gunn. I'm gonna get noticed. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't really pan out. I don't think. I don't, I've not checked his career, but, but you know, <laughs> he's got no picture on IMDb. 
They, so, yeah, that's that's always a bad sign. Yeah, it's not a good start. Although some quite famous people don't that we've covered uh, before. Uh, well, uh, Rick Moranis doesn't, weirdly enough. Um, we, yeah, we've done this. Uh, have we? <laughs> yeah, we covered this in one of the other episodes and I told <laughs> you that he was... That he didn't like having his picture taken, right? <laughs> and you believed me, and then I, and then I made you look like a fool. Oh, oh, okay, and probably not for the last time. So let's not go down that road again. Um, <laughs> so there's Gino, and then you've got you've got the manager, the boxing manager. But I can't buy the boxing manager. He just would, it, he's yeah. he's so aggressive and unpleasant that it just doesn't make sense that it would be anything to do with him. And like he says. Unless unless the boxer was insured for loads of money, that's an option. Yeah, um, seems unlikely. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy him. I think he's he's just meant to be. He's there to just sort of get in Peter Gunn's way a little bit and just be a kind of aggressive boxing manager for no real discernible reason. I think yeah. he's, he, I think he's going to be very much a red herring. Um, Possibly never ever to be seen again as the episode moves on. Oh, although maybe, maybe he wanted right. His, I've got my theory now. Okay, <laughs> um, let's hear it. So, what if um, he's an asshole um, boxing manager? Probably wanted to get uh, Tony to throw a fight. So, like, so because there, there's bound to be some sort of like a legal gambling ring, like attached to this, that they'll sort of like pull out at the eleventh hour. Yeah. Um, so I reckon that he probably wanted him to throw a fight, um, thus sort of like making um, money on this illegal gambling ring, um, and Tony, being all round good guy, refused and then threatened to expose. The illegal uh, illegal gambling operations connected to the uh, connected to the boxing. Nice. That's my theory. I'm going to stick with that. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. That's a good one. I've got nothing as good as that. <laughs> so I because because I, I yeah I like it. I'm quite jealous. That's uh that's some good thinking. It will be revealed probably in the last two minutes of the programme. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those. It's definitely one yeah. of those where things come out of the woodwork that you'd not really expected before. But um, I, yeah, the whole thing with Gino getting beaten up, I wonder if that pasting Gino took was like, uh, take me outside and give me a pasting, make it look real. A little bit, oh, a little bit of a cover. Yeah, knock me around, make it look like you're, you know, I've, so that I don't look like I'm part of it. So, uh, yeah. so I, I don't really have a theory, but I think obviously Gino is something to do with it. And maybe actually Gino, ah, maybe on your theory, perhaps Gino is in on it with these, with this gambling ring. And so he's, because basically Tony Triano's car broke down, so he had to take Gino's car. And I wonder if, Gino sabotaged Tony Triano's car so that he'd take his car and then they could shoot Tony knowing it was Tony but looked like they were going for Gino and now give Gino a roughing up so it looks real. So I wonder if it's all, all that's linked in together. The, the broken down car definitely has a point to play in it and so it's either that or it was they like the boxing manager wanted to kill Gino for being shit and... Um, it was only 
for the fact that he didn't have the car. Um, it was meant. It was yeah. meant for Gino. Maybe um, I just don't buy it. I just I can't. I don't think it was meant for Gino. I think I don't know. I definitely think Gino sabotaged Tony Triano's car so that Tony would be in Gino's car so that they could kill Tony and make it look like they were going to kill Gino. And now they've given Gino a good kicking, so it's like it kind of covers up what they were doing. Well, I guess there's only one way to find out. There certainly is. There certainly is. It's quite exciting. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, genuinely intrigued. (laughs) It's good. It's good. Okay, well, uh, join us after this very short piece of music, which uh, maybe I'll put the Peter Gunn music in, but probably not, to find out what happens. Yeah, funnily enough, I'm I'm not as good a musician as uh, Henry Mancini. So, um, yeah. (laughs) But you're a trier. <laughs> and that's what counts. <laughs> yeah, everyone hates a trier. Well, I say you were a trier. It took you six months to get what six months to do the music we've got. So uh... <laughs> you you wait you you wait till you hear the new revamped music. It's going to be amazing. I'm waiting. Yeah, you promised it to me in November. Yeah, that's how good it is. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, anyway, enough of that. Join us after this very short piece of music. The Detective Inspectors. Welcome back to the podcast. We have just watched the second half, or the sec- the last ten minutes of Peter Gunn. <laughs> it feels slightly wrong. Um, it feels slightly wrong that that should have, that only took ten minutes. <laughs> I, I, I think we're sort of, uh, you know, from the um, like the the mammoth kind of like Miss Marples and whatever else that we've done. The, oh, like, Miss Marple. Massively outstayed their welcome. Like there wasn't much of this to actually. Uh, do it. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm comfy with it. Um, it's weird. Nice. It's it's weird, isn't it? It's weird being back so soon. But um, just uh, as you mentioned, Miss Marple, news today uh, on the day of the recording, we actually Miss Marple episode actually breached a hundred downloads today. Good God, that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Should... Yeah. <laughs> how, how many of them were you? <laughs> I'm not sure. I've been tweeting. I've been tweeting about oh. it because we were up to like 97. So I've been. Oh, okay. So I've been having like a very, very non-aggressive Twitter push to try and get that episode up to 100. Pushing the uh, Detective Inspector's brand. That's. Uh... I have. I have. I've been. I've been working hard. Three or four tweets a day this week has, has done the job. I've I've been I've been shouting at random people on the tube, but none of that seems to have helped. <laughs> well, it may have. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm pushing murder. She wrote next because that's at eighty nine. That's our next oh, nice. highest. That's our next highest one. So my new my new crusade is to get uh, yeah get murder. She wrote up to a hundred, but we're up to seven hundred and twenty two downloads now. That's good. Historical, that's, which is quite cool. Nah, no, that's, that's all right for a uh, for a couple of uh, people who don't really know what they're doing. I think we're uh, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. <laughs> we're doing all right. Well, let's uh, let's see how we do discussing the uh, mammoth final part of Peter Gunn. Um, we come back in, and he is visiting a woman who you don't know who he who she is on this uh, first visit. So. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, looks as is as is sort of 
de rigueur with programs of of, of this uh, era looks exactly like his girlfriend so uh, uh, I for one was genuinely confused and thought for a uh, pretty much the majority of the program um, that that was his girlfriend okay. <laughs> okay they do look they do look similar as you said all the men look pretty much identical and all the women look pretty much identical as well yeah um, which is, it's, it's a weird thing of the time I wonder if that's a part of that is a black and white element of it because you you kind of get less detail in face and I don't know you no, and also you can't it, tell what people are wearing so easily they're all kind of wearing the same like the men are in like suits and ties um the women are kind of glamorous and like the 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 um the woman um that Peter Gunn visits that was um uh Gino's girlfriend was a was a showgirl so she was out sort of like she was sort of dressed up to the nines and to, his, and to his go and, and, on stage. Yeah, and his girlfriend is a singer, so she is also dressed up to the nines. So yeah, there's a lot of it was yeah, I can see why you would have been confused by that. I wasn't, but you know, that's uh Well Okay. Well uh, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> making right. a point. I'm not making a point. Uh, just no. uh, just saying. Um so anyway, they go so, so at that point Gunn goes back to his flat. Gino is is hammered again. Yeah, uh, he's been boozing all day, as is as seems to be his want. Then uh, Jacoby, the policeman, turns up and reveals that there was an insurance policy on Tony Triano that's going to pay out fifty grand to Gino. Can we can we just make a point of saying he's not just boozing; he's lost his fucking shit. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he is absolutely like. He's genuinely insane. Um, I've got that written down. Goes insane. Yeah. (laughs) Jabbering and laughing like a lunatic. Like he's about to be carted uh, off. uh, There's a brilliant Sam Fuller film from around about this era um, called Shock Corridor about sort of um, that's set in like a mental institution. And as you can imagine, the depictions of the mentally unwell um, in that are not particularly sensitive. He is topping anything that they're doing. Like, he has gone completely fucking nuts. He's gone back, he's gone batshit crazy. And I am, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted about his performance because at first I thought, why not, why not get a better actor to play this character? If, if they've got such a huge, like, going mad scene in the show. And he's, he's like the only one with any real lines in this programme where he has to show any emotion. But then I... He does go nuts with quite a convincing performance. I, I think, think I absolutely love him here. Like I, 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 he is my favourite thing about this program. He, he is. He does it so convincingly badly. It's just, it's just a joy to watch. It's, yeah, he's great. He's really lo- lunatic laughing like just like hopped up on the sofa and like just sort of like waving his arms <laughs> knees like clutched up to his chest and rocking yeah. backwards and forwards it just like yeah basically like a five-year-old having a tantrum it's um... he's just like shouting shouting random stuff and laughing after everything he says with his eyes yeah. are wide as saucers <laughs> 
<laughs> so so after uh, after Tony's magical um, Oscar Oscar nominated performance, I will um, <laughs> I will after this record have to check who won the Emmy for best going mad performance in a TV <laughs> drama in 1959. Because if it isn't this guy, there was a fix in and no mistake. <laughs> oh, tough one. I'm not I'm not entirely sure that's an Emmy category, but but worth a check. If it was then this guy's a shoo-in. Um, so, anyway, the policeman then tells Gino to go home, and then they have, the two of them have the revelation that maybe the wrong man was killed. Peter Gunn which, and the policeman, like, oh, maybe it was the wrong man, which is the first thing you would think if he was driving in the wrong car. Two-thirds of the way into your 30-minute programme, you fucking get the revelation. Because <laughs> I, I think... When we were making our predictions, we, it, I just didn't think it would be possibly, could possibly be that obvious. But the fact that they kind of like this sudden reveal, um, and I guess you know we're looking at a different time, we're looking at a different era. Like yeah. life moved slower, people were dumber, um, people hadn't watched sort of like thousands and thousands of hours of detective programs um so you could get away with stupid plans presumably um, <laughs> it was uh... it wasn't that it was more the way that peter gunn all of a sudden i think one of them i think because the copper says tony was a great guy gino's a fuck up they shot the wrong man and peter gunn yeah. goes the wrong man the wrong man hold on and that, that's, that's how it comes to him. But if you're any sort of detective, if someone's in the wrong car, that should be the first thing you'll yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be the first thing. Plus also, it's very questionable to actually kind of like, the, the, this detective, this man of the law, um, would make a blasé comment because he wasn't saying it as if sort of, hang on, I've got an idea, maybe they didn't shoot the correct person and they were targeting someone else. He was just literally saying, yeah, it would have been better if... Um, Dino had died. Gino had died instead of Tony. Yeah. Um, which is how sort of like it's like how how callous are you? It's like you know either way one of them would have died. It would have been better if none of them had died. Yeah. Um, In an ideal world, and just because one of them yeah. is a better boxer than the other, and one of them likes a drink more than the other, doesn't make yeah. it better that one of them should die. Um. So they, so they get that, then Gunn rushes off to see the woman again. And it's only at this point you realise that it is Gino's girlfriend. And she tells Gunn that Gino just got a phone call from someone pertaining to be Peter Gunn. And he's run off to meet them at the, uh, at the boxing gym. Run off to meet Gunn at the boxing gym. Uh, Gunn gets there and there are three people basically with, um, with Gino... Uh, the manager, Al, yeah. Al, whatever his name was, Matson, was it? And uh, uh, and his two and his two goons. And much like a James Bond film, rather than just shoot Gino, they're obviously intending to kill him. Um, yep. They like have this plan where these two goons are going to beat him up in the ring. Presumably, they're going to beat him to death. I think is their plan. I'm, I, I guess so. Um... Seems, seems they've weird all, though. They've all got guns. Yeah, it would be a lot. I mean, I guess it would. Be, I suppose. I mean, I guess the police are so inept in this that sort of like they would find like they would find 
uh, Gino in the boxing ring kind of like dead um, uh, and just assumed that he'd beaten himself up because he couldn't live with the because <laughs> he couldn't live with the guilt so he decided to build, beat himself up in the boxing ring <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know nothing to see here clearly or if, <laughs> or if there's a fight or maybe because they said maybe because they rang the girlfriend to say that Gunn was going to meet him when they oh. then turn up and find Gino dead they can pin it on Gunn because he he allegedly phoned up and ordered, not ordered, but asked Gino to go there. So maybe that's their plan, which is reasonably clever. No, it's dumb as hell because no one would buy it. Why? Why would the person who has absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> with him, sort of like who's been hired to help <laughs> and find out, get to the bottom of exactly why this guy's friend's dead? Like, if someone hired you for like a job, like. Uh, would you then go and like beat the crap out of them <laughs> beat them to death well for, I mean I for no I, good I, reason I mean, I mean I do video editing and uh, <coughs> and and graphics on photoshop so it would be an extreme course of action for me <laughs> something very dangerous must have happened <laughs> yeah I, you know <laughs> But just picture if picture if your job was to literally keep people safe, then um, <laughs> beating your clients to death, you're not going to get a good Yelp review. It's <laughs> trust pilot, trust trust pilot are going to look very dimly on such behaviour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think which would take you off their website. Exactly. <laughs> One star trust pilot rating is not worth the digital. <laughs> What was the one star was exported on? <laughs> one star beat client to death. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-eight five-star ratings and one one-star rating. But that one-star yeah. rating, I just can't shift it. No. Okay. But it was early. I did once it was early days. A, <laughs> I did once beat a client to death, but since then. I haven't beaten any client to death. Twenty-seven satisfied customers, one dead one. What are you, you going to do? That, that <laughs> so, reminds, it reminds me of that joke. Do you know that joke where the punchline is, you fuck, you a fuck one, one sheep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what I was <laughs> Interesting that you went with the pig and I went with the sheep. That's, it's, um, just, no, that's just, says. it's just the way I heard the joke. Um... <laughs> Well, if you heard it, it would be a cow. <laughs> Boomtish. Oh, that is that is some good punning, I like it. Good work. Good work. Thank you. So, so the upshot of all this is that there's basically, even though Gino is completely drunk like he was in the alleyway beating, he does put up a passable, passable resistance on this occasion. Um against these two goons they have a big old fist fight which I have to say I was quite impressed with the choreography I, and the punches yeah, and stuff yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah the blocking was amazing it looked it looked pretty impressive um, uh, yeah I, I absolutely can't fault that I think yeah. um, uh, plus also the other the early in the scene um, where where 
Gina gets his ha- ass handed to him like <laughs> for the first time in this 30 minute episode um, <laughs> he's had a rough old time he? <laughs> yeah um, uh, that was actually pretty good and I, I was genuinely surprised by sort of like the liberal amounts of like relatively realistic sort of like corn syrup blood that um, that they had sort of like cascading out of his nose I thought that was uh, yeah it was like credit to you Peter Gunn for, yeah. uh, it must have been it must have been I mean it was obviously you know this must have been pretty gritty at the time and I mean I, I think I think if you look at I reckon if we look this up in a bit more detail and did some proper research <laughs> which is not our Never. want on this program. As you, are, if you are, if you are listening, listener, you will know that we don't really approve of proper research. But um, no. it must have been, it must have been like one of the toughest, like hardest shows on TV, I reckon, at the time. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and you know, you've got sort of you know, talents of Blake Edwards. Um, you know, up-and-coming sort of like Hollywood director producer um, you know I, I would have thought yeah although you know he did kind of move into you know he, he's no Quentin Tarantino he didn't he, he um, kind of moved into like the Pink Panther films and um, Breakfast at Tiffany's um, still, so, still uh, they're good movies do you know what I mean they're good movies uh, um, uh, I there's nothing really good about Breakfast at Tiffany's apart from Audrey Hepburn. I've um, not seen it. I've not seen Breakfast yeah. at Tiffany, so I can't. I can't vouch for it. But the Pink Panther has got one of my favourite moments in all of film history. Which uh, is, uh, is it the bit where he slips on the globe? No, no. It's a bit where. Um, oh. <laughs> just help me out. I've uh, I've forgotten the name of the comedian that plays the Pink Panther. The Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers. Yeah, he goes into. Uh, uh, well, he he plays uh, Inspector Clouseau. Oh, Clouseau. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's the bit when he goes into the hotel and the guy comes up to him and says uh, can I take your hat your coat your gloves and he gives them all to him and then the guy just runs out of the hotel with them <laughs> it's absolutely genius it's got some quality moments yeah. um. so anyway back, uh, yeah let's let, let, let's uh, so basically there's a big old punch up and then basically Peter Gunn shuts off the light and there's a shootout and the upshot of it all is that uh, all the bad guys get shot. So triple murder on the hands here, which needs to be yep. explained somehow. And then at the end, Gino is on the canvas and then he, he does the old Rocky two and just clambers up the ropes <laughs> at the end and like stands there looking all bemused. And then you're kind of, I don't know about you, I was kind of expecting an epilogue type scene oh, with yeah, the policemen some, where some they kind of, of, oh, well, we were wrong about the, that or... Some sort of round up, sort of like you know he's he's uh, Peter Gunn's back with his girlfriend and you know saying that or like you know uh, uh, I was a little bit shell shocked by it because it just cuts straight to credits and job done. That's that's your lot. Job uh, done. <laughs> job done. It's yeah. It's just over. It's over. Like it's over in a second, isn't it? it uh, yeah. Um, as uh, you know. Realistically, everything is. Um, when exactly. Well, there's no need. I mean, there's no need. It's all clear what's happened. So there isn't any need for something like that. But I think we're so used to having, especially with a lot of the other garbage we watch, we're so used to having these extraneous bits at the end that it just it was a it was a surprise when it went straight to credits. Yeah. Um, so I th- yeah, I mean, I see what you mean. I think it's probably 
it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think sort of because you don't have sort of like like where you have like a frost or something where you, you just get these like a couple of minutes of like this insufferably smug Dick. like <laughs> policeman that's like saying uh, effectively just like just walking up and like blah blah blah. I was right all the wrong. <laughs> I was right all along. Um, you know, aren't I amazing? Yeah. Um, you were no so help, we, George. Uh, so we didn't have that, and you know, we we didn't have. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things they could have done, but saying that they probably could have done something, just a, just a little bit, just some kind of like resolution, like you know, the parents of like uh, Tony or someone like it's like, oh, well done, well done, Peter Gunn, you solved the case. Yeah, um, something like yes, just it started off, but it started off in the Italian restaurant. With the yeah. dad hiring him, why not finish it there, perhaps? Yeah, because, you know, uh, bookending. That's, that's, it's a really basic writing. Like, yeah. Uh, well, you've got to return, you've got to start at the normal world, something happens, and then return to the normal world at the end. And, you know, everyone's learned something. And, yeah. Know. Having said that, we don't learn anything on this podcast, and we don't bookend either. So, uh, who are well, we to say? Well, well, you know, we do the same. Critics. We do the same crappy. We are the detective inspectors at the start and the end of each one. So I suppose that's book ending of a sort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's our thing. I've I've got my little laugh. Um. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay, well, listen. Let's uh, let's take a break because I'm exhausted after this 25 minute episode. And uh, it's been hard work. It has been hard work, and we'll come back in a moment and uh, have a few uh, uh, final thoughts. You've taken a pounding in the ring for the detective inspectors. <sighs> See you in a minute. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, yep, here we are again, and uh, we are at the ratings stage of the podcast. So, Tabby, do you want to give us your score for Peter Gunn as a detective and the show as a whole? Right, well, Peter Gunn, does he actually do anything? I mean, the, the format of the programme, he doesn't really get the chance. He just has to kind of, like, turn up at various places. So, like, it's just some sort of, like... He works out the blindingly fucking obvious um, because an, another like the real policeman tells him like just in an off the cuff remark. So I can't really give him any points for that. Um, he he, um, I mean, he does a, he does his business at the end where he he turns up. He goes back to the girl. Like I don't know how he makes that decision to go back to the girl, but he does go back to the girl, and then from that gets to the boxing gym, without which Gino yeah. is dead. Oh, fair enough. And he's, and he's he doesn't seem to be like a he doesn't seem to be like a bad person. He seems like an an honest sort of like he's a he's a fine figure of a man. He's, he's a, a nice guy. He's always a, dressed up nicely. Uh, well, uh, they all did then. That's why we can't tell them apart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, touche. Um, <laughs> which you know, that's that's. that's <laughs> um, so I, I don't, uh, I don't think he was very good. Um, he probably 
didn't really need to be there. Um, I don't know. Um, but saying that, love the program. Um, it's a really nice throwback um, and a joy to watch. By the um, as we said, so like the the fight choreography was brilliant. Um, uh, genuinely surprising. Um, the mood of it, the mood of it is great, isn't it? It's like it's really noirish and it's it's really nicely put together. And I think the acting yeah. on the whole is not too bad. Um, production design's great. It looks like a normal Rockwell painting. It's um, uh, you know because you know that was the time and everything looked like that. So I'm not sure how much credit I can give <laughs> give give them, but um, uh, looks really nice. Um, yep. Uh, but so I, I guess I'd give um, as a detective I'd give Peter Gunn um, uh, probably a five um, he wasn't openly racist which is something that I was slightly scared about in, in doing doing a programme of this age Yeah, um, no. so that was good um, seemed to have uh, respect for women as well so um, again credit to him better than um, Mike Hammer Certainly better than Mike Hammer, um, uh, but really enjoyed the program. Um, you're in and you're out. It didn't really make much sense. Didn't really make much sense. Didn't have to. Um, it was it was okay. So um, yeah, five for Peter Gunn, um, the character. Uh, probably about seven for Peter Gunn, the program. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, I will. Uh, I agree with you. I think as far as Peter Gunn goes, he. Uh, I mean, it's one of those where I just don't know why the police aren't investigating this properly. Like, why does Gus, the dad, feel the need to go to Peter Gunn in the first place? What is wrong with the police in this fictional city <laughs> that you need to go to a private investigator to get the murder of your son investigated properly? Um. But then, I mean, but then having said sorry, to but then having said that, Jacoby, the detective, is there at every stage. So I think without it, it, Peter yeah. Gunn, potentially without Peter Gunn, Gino dies, and the detective works it all out. He dies in the boxing ring, and the de- uh, uh, and the police detective works it all out at the end. But yeah. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like you. I don't I don't really think Peter Gunn needs to be there. But yeah, he's a nice guy. Lovely hair. Um, yeah, lovely hair. Um, he, he, yeah, I'm going to give him a five as well on that. And then I, th- I think for the show, I think I'm going to match you. I think I'm going to match you. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to go five, seven as well because I could definitely watch and will very possibly watch these uh, in my spare time. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to have it on in the background. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pleasant enough. You can do other things. You can sort of do a bit of Facebooking or checking the horse racing results while it's on and not feel like you're missing too much because nothing is really happening um, yeah. of any consequence. I, I worry that that's like a... Rather than a sort of a, a good advert for the programme, it's more of a sort of like damning indictment to our culture now. Um, yeah, maybe. In the, fact, in the fact that we're incapable of doing one thing at once. But, um, <laughs> you know, that said, that's not Peter Gunn's fault. No, so. quite, quite. I mean, one thing I would say, I think I've got two two things I want to say which kind of compare it to LA Heat. <laughs> and and one is we gave LA Heat quite a lot of grief for having the kind of eye candy girlfriends and wives 
in that programme. And I'd have to say that Peter Gunn is exactly the same in that regard. The two female characters in this episode really don't have anything to do. But then Peter Gunn has the... And this is not a... I'm not saying it was okay, but it was kind of the norm in those days in these kind of programmes that women weren't really involved but you can't slag you can't slag LA Heat off for that and not mention it in regard to this uh, well you can and you probably should for the fact that um, this was made in 1958 they should have known better when they made LA, LA Heat well that's what I just said that's what I just said but it's still it's still it's still worth mentioning that that is it is the case in this programme like it is in LA Heat you know his girlfriend in all the episodes I've seen is basically there in one scene for him to turn up he says he's going to take her out then he gets a call about a case and he goes on the case instead yeah i mean i think that, i think they the interesting thing they carried on with the same theme but were able to get away with a lot more in kind of like the the, the late 80s early 90s you could have you know in this you would not have a Shot of a girl's a girl as she or a woman as she walks down the walks down the uh, seafront in a bikini. Yeah. Because um, you know you'd be <laughs> dragged out of Hollywood as a screaming pervert. Exactly. But, uh... And that brings, well, that actually brings us on to my next thing with LA Heat. Really, is that we slagged off LA Heat quite a lot uh, for all the filler in it. And one of the things with this is. The brilliant thing about this programme is it's 25 minutes long. And there is yeah. as much plot in this as there is in LA Heat. But what you I don't have I, is Peter I Gunn. I would say more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very possibly more plot in this than in LA Heat. But the thing with Peter Gunn is when there's a job on, he says to his girlfriend, I can't, do, I can't be with you tonight. I've got a job on. I've got a paid a client paying me. He's not even a policeman. He's a private investigator. He could easily clock off for a few hours and go for dinner. He's not going out looking at boats. He's not well, having uh, sex with his girlfriend in the shower while he should be I, out I, hunting for a homicidal maniac. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting again with Ellie Heaters that uh, we yet again find ourselves in a uh, in a boxing gym. Um, indeed, indeed. It's a nice nice thing, but. Um, uh, yeah, basically, he's. Uh, we're not having five minutes of him dicking about buying a boat. Um, maybe, maybe in like one of the later, because you know there were 114 episodes of this, so there might have been like there might have been one where like Peter Gunn buys a boat for no good fucking reason. Um, maybe, <laughs> we, but I can't, we, see, we can't I, say. We can't say it for sure. We can't. We can't say it for sure. Exactly. You can only comparing episode to episode, but. I think, I think one of the problems is because advertisers now they want an hour, and even back in the nineties when when uh, LA Heat was made, they want an hour so that they can cram adverts into it. So they bung all this filler in, people buying boats and doing all this stuff that just doesn't need to be there. This is tight. This is a nice tight twenty-five minutes. There's one scene that doesn't need to be there, which is him going to see his girlfriend in that first bit when he gets called out because Gino's getting beaten up in the car park. But other than that, it's just all solid plot. And it doesn't... Having just plot doesn't detract from the overall effect of the episode. No. Um, 
LA Heat did have some amazing chases, though. That was... Um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not... You know, LA Heat was enjoyable for different reasons. We did, we did in the end, kind of have a positive experience watching that, yeah. didn't we? But I just... It, you know, a lot of it doesn't make sense if you have that filler in a programme like that when there's a homicidal maniac on the loose. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I entirely agree. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you would... Uh, would you recommend this to people to watch? Um, I would recommend it. Um, just, uh, yeah, there are so many things in it to enjoy. Um, like, even, if, like, you know, to watch it in, like, a ironic way um, is great fun. There's so many, there's so many little touches that you can, like, um, so the... Uh, little things that I enjoyed about it, like in the um, in the Italian restaurants, um, there was a um, <laughs> there was an advert on the wall for uh, for wine, um, and I'm not entirely <laughs> sure if it, I'm not entirely sure if it was actually the name of the company or just sort of like a, a serving recommendation, but uh, it was bulk table wines, <laughs> and it was like <laughs> it's like. Uh, uh, Either way, either way, it doesn't work. Like, um, want wine? Buy it in bulk. Um, Even if you are buying it in bulk, which you probably are if you're an Italian restaurant, you're getting a whole barrel load of Chianti straight off the boat. But don't advertise it on the wall as being bulk wine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, completely... <laughs> which kind of made me think, you know... I want that poster, basically. <laughs> I like the other poster. There's another poster in the in the restaurant saying, "Try our pizza dinner." Pizza dinner, like this revolutionary concept. <laughs> pizza for dinner? No. In the sixties, never. Though, it, wow. Never, never catch on. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I think I think we're kind of done. Yeah, I, I would like to point out just that, that um, uh, there was like a spin-off of, of this series as a film. Ah, um, yeah, I did notice that on IMDb. In um, so 1967, um, again written by Blake Edwards, but also um, written by William Peter Blatty, who was the writer of the fucking Exorcist. Was he? So I, I really want to see this film because like. You've got sort of like Blake Edwards with this like thoroughly unlikable sort of like socialite it girl character who I kind of hope gets possessed by the devil and Peter Black, uh, Peter Black, Peter Gunn has to uh, has to perform an exorcism on her. That that is the only way that I can see this film working. Um, nice. nice. So yeah, really really weird little link. Well, I actually yeah, I mean just to finish off, I saw that I saw that that film as well on IMDb and I reckon that is now you know I reckon that's in the running for the 25th anniversary the 25th episode maybe we could do Peter Gunn the movie <laughs> hang on how many years are we doing this I know the, 20, yeah. the 25th the 25th episode I reckon we could do Peter Gunn the movie maybe that's the favourite at the moment for that landmark okay. alright let's uh, you know it will be more than 30 minutes but uh... <laughs> Maybe it won't. Maybe <laughs> I reckon like... it's. I reckon it's going to be a cold eighty. I didn't look on IMDb how long it was, but I bet it's one of those eighty-minute in-and-out jobs. Well, if a girl doesn't get possessed, I will be disappointed. I think you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. 
we should go now before we uh, before because this I reckon we are we we've still managed to talk for much too long. But I reckon we're still just about in the market for going under an hour, which I'm quite proud about. I'm, I'm confident in the fact that we will do that. If we're not, I'll just cut all your bits out. <laughs> yeah. I probably wouldn't notice. <laughs> well, you, wouldn't, well, you, don't, you don't listen to them anyway, so... Uh, okay. I do. I do. <laughs> that's, that's a fallacy, I do. Yeah, okay, so um, I think we're done. Don't know what we're going to do next week. It will probably nope. be longer than this. It will be my choice. Uh, cool. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think we should probably try and uh, bring it back to the UK. Yeah, um, I think so. It's been three weeks. Yeah. Three, yeah, three, three, uh, three episodes, not three weeks. Three episodes it's been. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, all that remains to say is if you do want to get in touch, um, Della Forch uh, did get back in touch with us after the Moonlighting episode and say... Come the revolution, is there any possibility that he could not be put up against the wall at all rather than being <laughs> last against the wall? And I've uh, and I've advised him that the shadowy backroom team behind the detective inspector are in charge of those kind of decisions out of our hands. We're, we are merely pawns in their game. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which is why any complaints about the humorous quality of this should be directed to the shadowy backroom team behind the detective inspectors and neither me or Tabby. Uh, nope. We are, uh, you know, our hands are tied. We're suffering as much as you, listener. <laughs> uh, we have to do this. Indeed. Indeed. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at detect underscore inspect or... Uh, you can email us at, email us at the detective inspectors at gmail.com. Indeedy doody. My name has been Marcus Brayburn. And I have, and ever will be, Tabby. So... And together we have been... The... the Detective... Detective... Inspectors! That was the best one we've ever done, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not podcast. There, 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 there was one in an early episode where we actually got it, but um, that was when we were sitting next to each other. So... Uh, a lot yeah. easier. A lot easier yeah. without the Skype lag. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening.